Click Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information from the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic Drive Time. Now, here's your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. It's so good to be on with you. Praise be to God, the new normal. I know. I don't like that either. Okay, just between the two of us, I don't like that statement either, the new normal. We don't want to accept the new normal. I get that. But uh, it is being crammed down our throats whether we want it to or not. Superman and Lego going full woke on us. And it's a crazy story. We're going to talk about that in the What's Concerning Us story. Superman comes out of the closet? Really? Lego gets rid of all gender identity? Really? What is going on here? We're going to talk about that. Plus, the story of uh, Southwest Airlines and their continued cancellation woes, uh, leaving really thousands and thousands stranded. As uh, the rumor goes, pilots are taking their sick leave because they're not getting vaccinated and they're facing termination. So we're going to talk about that story a little bit as well in the What's Concerning Us coming up at 15 past the hour. In our guest segment today, we're going to have a conversation with Dr. Greg Botaro from the Catholic Psych Institute, conflating the New Age and Catholic faith. Can we untangle these things? I'm thinking of you centering prayer. I mean, I'm thinking of you, all of this meditation stuff that has its tentacles into the East. Can we distinguish between Catholic Orthodox faith and the New Age? We're going to have that conversation with Dr. Greg Potaro coming up at 35 past the hour. Speaking of untangling things and the need uh, for uh, clarity, Adrian Fonseca is here on the ones and twos. Good morning to you, Adrian. Yes, yeah, and amen. Yeah, and amen. Is it now? Oh, you know, yesterday Mm -hmm. I had the privilege I went over to the uh, TFP house and we uh, we did, uh, we sang a couple songs, sang a chant from uh, the. And uh, that was pretty fun. And we we sang a bunch of other songs and hung out for a couple hours. Uh, so I was there all evening. Uh, so it was really good. It was a lot of fun. So there you go. Well, praise be to God. Uh, good things to do is to sing about the apocalypse. Oh, it's a, well, it, sorry. It's not singing about the apocalypse. It was singing from the book of the apocalypse. So okay. we were singing. It's a, it's a hymn to Our Lady of uh, the, the like, woman uh, standing on the moon with a, 12, a, a crown of 12 stars. And it's very beautiful, very, very beautiful. So we were tr- struggling. We were all trying to sing it properly, and I kept on throwing them off. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, we, we, we got through it. Uh, we were trying to make a recording of it so we can, uh, they can put it up on their, on their YouTube channel. Wonderful. But, yeah, so praise yeah. be to God. Yeah, praise be to God. Who knew the swarming locusts and the earthquakes and the wars and rumors of wars could be great m- material for song? Well, Our Lady, uh, she uh, did promise those things would come. She did, didn't she? All right, well, praise be to God. We're going to have a great show today. Lots to cover in the news, though. Uh, Like I said, there's some concerning stories that we want to jump into. Um, You know, yesterday uh, being, uh, of course, Columbus Day um, and the great push for Indigenous Day, right? Well, Democrat Rep. uh, Valesquez described Christopher Columbus as a genocidal maniac. That is literally insane. You know, you don't have to love some of the atrocities that have happened as a result to Europeans coming to this continent. 
But to to uh, to say that he was a genocidal maniac is absolutely not in keeping with the facts of the matter. And it just continues to bug me to see those headlines. So pray for all of those that have rewritten history to their political bent rather than take them uh, take the facts as they come. Uh, we had a, a conversation yesterday with Carol Delaney about her book on Christopher Columbus, and she's not even Catholic. Okay, I don't even think she's a Christian, really. She she just followed the facts, and the facts of Christopher Columbus were very clear. So, at any rate, you can find the podcast to that on our website, grnonline.com forward slash CDT. Let's jump in. Let's pray. Let's get started with our news. We're going to have Saint of the Day, Gospel of the Day, What's Concerning Us at 15 Past, and our guest, Dr. Greg Botaro from the Catholic Psych Institute at 35 Past, plus the game show next hour and... A full after-show program all coming up today on Catholic Drive Time. What do you say we begin with prayer? In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known, that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word Incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. And now the headlines. The Texan reports, Abbott reverses course, bans private vaccine mandates, and asks legislature to codify the order. Governor Greg Abbott issued a twofold executive order yesterday forbidding COVID-19 vaccine mandates, even in the private sector, and asking the legislature to solidify the order into law. Quote, no entity in Texas can compel receipt of a COVID-19 vaccine by any individual, including an employee or a consumer who objects to such vaccination for any reason of personal conscience based on a religious belief or for medical reasons, including prior recovery of COVID-19. The order reads, it authorizes fines up to $1,000 against violators, the maximum allowed by the Texas Disaster Act. The Hill is reporting that Microsoft reports Iranian hackers targeting U.S.-Israeli defense companies. Microsoft on Monday released evidence showing Iranian-linked hackers targeting and at times compromising systems of the U.S. and Israeli defense technology companies. In a blog post, Microsoft's Threat Intelligence Center and Digital Security Unit assessed that a new cyber activity cluster linked to Iran had targeted hundreds of Microsoft Office 365 accounts beginning in July tied to groups including the U.S., Israeli defense companies, Persian Gulf entry ports, and global maritime transportation companies. Microsoft also observed targeting by the Iranian-linked hackers of defense companies that work within the U.S., European Union, and Israeli government partners and on producing technology such as drones, satellites, and emergency response communication systems. I mean, what could go wrong, right? Detroit News reports gun violence claiming more lives of American teens and children. Gun violence is killing an increasing number of American children, from toddlers caught in crossfires to teenagers gunned down in turf wars, drug squabbles, or for posting the wrong thing on social media. The U.S. saw a 991 gun violent deaths among people 17 or younger in 2019. 
according to the website Gun Violence Archive, which tracks shootings from more than 7,500 law enforcement, media, government, and commercial sources. That number spiked to 1,375 in 2020, and this year it's on pace to be even worse. Through Monday, shootings had claimed already 1,179 young lives and left 3,292 youths injured. The FBI data backs that up. The agency released a report on September the 28th showing homicides in the U.S. increased nearly 30% in 2020, and homicides among people ages 19 and younger rose more than 21%. LifeSite News reports on the U.S. airlines canceling thousands of flights as pilots protest forced COVID shots. You might remember we reported on this yesterday because the news was that it was weather-related and it was uh, related to the uh, air traffic controllers. But there is a lot of things coming out on social media. And here's the report from LifeSite News. It began with a trickle and then a flood of tweets on Sunday about Southwest Airline pilots calling in sick to protest their company's COVID-19 vaccine mandate. And then a cascade of reports that pilots from other airlines, as well as critical employees in other segments of the transportation industry, are preparing to follow suit. After Southwest pilots filed a lawsuit seeking an injunction against their company's mandate, Southwest canceled nearly 2,000 flights over the weekend, citing bad weather. While the airline and pilots union are dismissive of reports of a pilot walkout, reports on Twitter and elsewhere have continued to emerge. Quote, the revolt begins at Southwest Airlines, unquote, announced Alex uh, uh, Berenson via his substack, Unreported Truths. Quote, pilots at Southwest appear to be sicking out in a rebellion against vaccine mandates that have crippled the airline since Friday, unquote. Quote, why Southwest and not United? Unquote, asked Berenson. Well, maybe because Love, Love Field is based in Dallas and has a 50-year history of standing up against government overreach. On Friday, the pilots' union asked for a temporary halt to the mandate, he explained. The flight cancellations began almost immediately and continue to this day. We'll have more on that in the What's Concerning Us section. And those are your headline news. The saying of the day, I feel like Joe just made a litany, like a just a genealogy instead of actual saying of the day, because it's a Northumbrian saint. So I think mm. you just wanted to hear me say Northumbrian Yay names. and amen. So the saying of the day is St. Edwin of Northumbria. He was born in 585 at Diera in South Northumbria, England, as a prince and born a pagan. He was a son of King Ella of Northumbria and King of Northumbria from 616 to 633. He married St. Ethelberga of Kent, and who was an adult convert to Christianity. He was baptized in 627 by St. Paulinus of York, the first Christian king of Northumbria, and he was the father of St. Ianfleda of Whitby and St. Edwin of Northumbria. He was a great uncle of St. Hilda of Wiltby and grandfather of St. Elfelda. He worked for the evangelization of his people and listed as a martyr as he died in battle with the pagan king. An enemy of the faith who was Pinda of Mercia. He died in 633 in battle with the pagan Welsh and Mercians at, Hart, at Hatfield Chase in England. St. Edwin of Northumbria, pray for us. Praise be to God in all things. The gospel today comes to us from Luke chapter 11, verses 37 through 41. 
After Jesus had spoken, a Pharisee invited him to dine at his home. He entered and reclined at table to eat. The Pharisee was amazed to see that he did not observe the prescribed washing before the meal. The Lord said to him, O oh, you Pharisees, although you cleanse the outside of the cup and the dish, inside you are filled with the plunder and evil. You fools! Did not the maker of the outside also make the inside? But as to what is within, give alms, and behold, everything will be clean for you. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. St. Augustine said, But how was it that he spared not the man by whom he was invited? Yea, rather, he spared him by reproof, that when corrected he might spare him in the judgment. Further, he shows us that baptism also, which is once given cleanness by faith, but faith is something within, not without, the Pharisees despised faith and used washings which were without, while within they remained full of pollution. The Lord condemns this. So, is it a part of the law? Now, that's a question. St. Ignatius uh, Catholic Commentary today says, These washing rituals were religious in nature and not hygienic. The religious zeal of the Pharisees focused on the exterior of the body and often failed to penetrate to the heart. Whereas Hadock commented uh, today, There was nothing ordained by the law concerning this washing of the hands, which the Pharisees observed before taking meat, Christ and his apostles washed their hands when they, pl when they pleased, without looking for any uh, mystery in such things, or making to themselves vain obligations and frivolous and indifferent things. They did not neglect what was ordained by the law in certain cases for purification, but beside that, they observed nothing more. You see what was going on here. You had the law given uh, to the people through Moses by God, and then you had the Pharisees that added to that law with all of these precepts and include the washing of the hands before the meal. Now, what's fascinating is you might remember, show of hands, how many people remember the Passion of the Christ and from 2004? Do you remember where they depict this sort of uh, thing going on there when he was about to eat with his mother? He was making the table and she tries to wash his hands and he like, remember that? That's a cool scene, was it not? Praise be to God. All right, we're going to go to break. We're going to come back. What's concerning us is coming up next. What's going on with Superman? We're talking about it. That's next. We'll be right back. Howdy, this is Adrian Fonseca, producer of the Catholic Drive Time Show. Heard Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. Central and 7 a.m. Eastern, right here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. And I'm proud to tell you that Real Estate for Life is an underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. Real Estate for Life connects home buyers and sellers to real estate agents while supporting pro-life organizations, offering their clients a faith-based experience. They are online at realestateforlife.org. That's realestateforlife.org. God love you. Gloryandshine.com, a generous underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. Gloryandshine.com is a Catholic family-owned company making a variety of personal care products ranging from lotions, soap bars, gift boxes, body mist, beard care, and more. At Gloryandshine.com, they state their mission is to, quote, craft every product with deep intention while holding a vision of sharing the gospel. They are good for the body, mind, and soul, unquote. God love you, Gloryandshine.com. Thank you again. 
The next National Men's March to End Abortion is Monday, November 15th in Baltimore. We will gather outside of a local abortion center and march to our rally point outside of the USCCB Fall Assembly. Men, it's time. Embrace Christ. Embrace His Word. And if you stand for life, oh my goodness, you'll put a smile on God's face and He'll bless you. Go to themensmarch.com for more information and commit to join us on November 15th in Baltimore. be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. So good to be with you. Praise be to God. By the way, uh, there is a very good chance I'm going to be at the Men's March up in Baltimore in November. Um, so if I'm going, I would love to see you to go. Uh, tell, a, tell a man to join me in Baltimore in uh, November. That'd be awesome. I'll give you more details as we get closer, but praise be to God. I hope to be there. Uh, there are a couple of stories I want to talk about. Coming up at 35 past the hour, we're going to talk uh, to uh, the Catholic Psych Institute founder about unraveling the new age from Catholic faith and orthodoxy. That's coming up at 35 past. But there's a story out of uh, the Southwest Airlines that I reported on a minute ago. I reported on it yesterday, too. When I reported the story yesterday, I just read the news the way it was reported, which was they were blaming weather and air traffic controllers for the cancellations, which led hundreds and thousands to be stranded in airports. And then all of a sudden, social media started kicking things up and people were coming out. Pilots and other people were saying, no jab, no job. And essentially, they were facing a a complete layoff. Now, the pilots at Southwest Airlines have filed a lawsuit through the union to stop the mandates so they can keep their job. Because these, uh, these people who are very well trained, very educated people. They're not. They're not dimwits in any way, shape, or form. You know, they have uh, a reason where they feel like they do not want to be forced to take the vaccination. Some, I, ass- I assume, are vaccinated, but still don't want to support a, a vaccine mandate. Either way, the it would seem that there was a walkout going on, although the union has denied it. I reached out to a source working uh, and related very closely to Southwest Airlines. And that source, which I will keep anonymous, uh, confirmed to me that there are many people who they did not coordinate efforts, but they were many people who were taking their vacations before losing everything come December when they would, uh, if not they were not vaccinated, they would be terminated from their jobs. So this is severely affecting Southwest's ability to um, care for their customers. Again, thousands of flights canceled, hundreds and hundreds of passengers are left stranded. So this is a very concerning story because this is part of the new normal we live in, right? We live in a day and an age where, I mean, yesterday I was looking at uh, a story covering this. I was looking at somebody else talking about the Southwest Airlines story. And um, I was listening to the language. I was watching a video of a pilot on social media, talk out and speak out against the mandates. And he says, I am for choice, my body, my choice. And I got to tell you, I took a pause because as a Catholic who's pro-life, we have now for four decades plus had a war against the uh, the abortion uh, lobby in this country. And the language of choice and the language of my body, my choice 
has been something that we have not embraced. We, we are against that language. And here we are using the language. It is just doing something to the mind to think, to stop and go, have you, in your wildest dreams, five years ago, two years ago, would you have thought that we would be here fighting for choice or trying to support others for their right to choose to not have their bodies vaccinated if they didn't want to? for either personal, or religious, or medical reasons, or what have you. I find it very fascinating that the things are where they are at today, and the language seems to have flipped somewhat. I, yeah, I get it. It's not quite the same. I understand that. But think about it for a second. It's very weird, isn't it not? Here we are fighting for rights and liberties over vaccines. Who would have thought that that would have been the case even a couple of years ago? It seems rather peculiar. Let's jump over to another big story that is part of the new normal. DC's Superman, John Kent, comes out as bisexual. This is an ongoing saga of reinventing characters, modernizing them to some way. As though some way, somehow, nothing sacred is sacred anymore. Even to include not just things in the church, you know, the, the Synodal Church of Germany has been doing an awful lot of reinventing. Last week we reported on the, uh, the altar that got removed and the pile of dirt that got put in place. And now Germany uh, was trying to take a vote on whether or not to even keep the priesthood at all, let alone accept all comers and, and everything else. Everything is on the table, it seems, to include more superheroes. DC's new Superman, John Kent, uh, comes out as bisexual. Here's a little bit of this article. This is in ScreenRant.com. DC Comics have confirmed that John Kent's Superman is bisexual as an upcoming story in his ongoing series, Superman, Son of Kal-El, number five. We will see the hero officially come out. DC revealed that what uh, that what. Some fans have suspected for a long time that John is queer. A future storyline teases a romance with his new friend, Jay Nakamura, which is the first queer romance for DC's newest Superman. Let that sink in. <laughs> Superman. Superman has now been reinvented. But that's not all. There is much more. But wait. Yeah, I feel like it's that infomercial. But wait, there's more. How about Lego? Uh, the Blaze reports Lego vows to get rid of gender bias in its toys. Now, I've got six kids, and almost I'm pretty sure all of my kids love to play with Legos. All of them. And yesterday I told you about the story about how years ago we discovered a Lego brick Bible. And it was filled with horrific uh, ideas that would corrupt the young minds. The perversions, sexual perversions. And my wife and I were horrified to discover this after we gave it to our kids. And we threw the book away because we didn't want anybody else to have it. Well, praise be to God, I, I also failed to tell you that we are friends from Wisconsin. They, they also had the same experience, and they made their own brick Bible, which is completely orthodox. It's the Catholic Catechism in Lego brick, and it is amazing. It teaches typology and the sacraments. It is truly, truly very, very good. I've interviewed him on a number of occasions. I should get him back. But Lego vows to get rid of gender bias in its toys. Here's a bit of the article. Woke culture has invaded nearly every corner of American society, and the toy department is no exception. 
Lego, the company that creates plastic building blocks that can be fashioned into pretty much anything and sells those molded pieces at exorbitant prices, announced Monday that it would work to get rid of the, quote, gender bias and harmful stereotypes, unquote, surrounding its toys, the UK Guardian reported. No longer can parents find Legos for boys or for girls, and the company's website does not let shoppers search for toys by gender, the Guardian pointed out. And the company did not stop there. Lego, one of the biggest toy makers in the world, made its woke announcement about ridding itself of gender biases and stereotypes following the publication of a study that it commissioned, which, quote, found attitudes to play and future careers remain unequal and restrictive, unquote, the Guardian said. Apparently, boys and their parents are just too bigoted about the idea of playing with the girls' toys so Lego is going to do what it can to combat such harmful stereotypes. Because, you know, it's their job to raise our children, right? It must be their job. Uh, so there you go. You get Superman hijacked. You get Lego hijacked. Oh, but wait, there's more. Los Angeles Times reports that there's a new law, which is taking effect in California, that says retail stores with 500 or more employees, must sell some toys and childcare products outside of areas specifically labeled by gender. They have to have gender-neutral areas of their store. How do you do... Like, how does one... I mean, male and female, he made them, right? So we can pretend all we wish, but in the end, we are made either male or female. How does one become gender-neutral? It seems rather bizarre. It's the new normal. Adrian, are you ready for that? Yeah, I'm, I'm very excited for it. No, <laughs> this is horrible. Uh, no, the, the, thing, the question of Superman, I think, is actually incredibly important because people who realize that Superman is American mythology. America doesn't have the Greek mythology. We don't have the Roman mythology. We don't even have the Christian mythology anymore. The mythology of America is, you know, the founding fathers, but also the comic book industry. And so Superman used to be the archetype of an American truth, justice in the American way, an immigrant from uh, another planet coming to America, becoming to a small town in Kansas and uh, adopting Christian ideals. I believe his family was Methodist. Um, and that's, and that's the way he was. And and the character of Jonathan Kent is the son of Superman, and he was—he's an old character from the 1970s. He existed uh, as Superman Junior, what they called him back then, and now they bring him in. And by uh, Superman now, as of right now in the comic books, for the kids reading this right now, the kids reading Superman, that the his son has now replaced his father, like a legacy, and then they just throw this in into what happens. It puts in the mind of young people. And my friends were asking yesterday, why is NPR reporting on Superman right now? Like, who cares? It's a comic book, for crying out loud. And people don't realize how much of a cultural icon. When Superman died in a comic book years ago, over two decades ago, it was on the news. Like, the news reported that Superman was killed in a comic book. That's how big of a deal it was back then. And it still is because it is symbolic of the American ideal. So if Superman is gay, what does that say? That says that Superman, that's the, what the American ideal is, a bisexual man. And so that, that's why this is a huge cultural point, even though it seems very trivial. It's like, oh, it's just comic books. Uh, this is huge. This is a, a the, the left wants to take over every aspect of every our lives. Aspect. But then, more specifically, 
They need to target the young. The children are the most impressionable, and so they target the young because once they are converted, they will. Know that it's much harder to convince people who are older and already solidified in their ideas, but the young are malleable. They can abandon the old and target the young, and right. they have a future for their uh, their wicked ideologies. Win, winning hearts and minds. That's exactly what they're after. They are going after that uh, next generation. And But it's amazing to me to, to see how many in society just go along with all of these things. Now, what would you want, Joe? Do you want a revolt? Do you want upheaval? I don't want upheaval. I want my kids to have a, a nice, easygoing life. But that's not what's served up, is it? It's the new normal. And the new normal, it means we have to stand against uh, the immorality, injustice, and, and perversion in society. And this is a perversion. It is not good. It is not charitable for the souls that will be corrupted, which is why I read part of St. Augustine this morning, who said he didn't even let his host, Jesus, he didn't even let his host off the hook here. I'm paraphrasing Augustine. I'll read it to you again. It's very pertinent, I think, as we get ready to go to break. Oh, St. Augustine on today's gospel. But how was it that he spared not the man by whom he was invited? Yea, rather, he spared him by reproof, that when corrected, he might spare him at the judgment. Do you see? People are going to be facing an end of the time of mercy and a beginning of the time of judgment. And when the judgment comes, it's all final at that point. There's no going back. So this is our chance to share the great gift of mercy, to be charitable to others, to call out these ills and wrongs and immoralities in society, to try to do something, change a heart, a mind, plant a seed, something. And this is wrong. We'll be right back. More breaking news and stories and the Catholic Psych Institute's next. 1 John 2.27 reads, You have no need that anyone should teach you, as his anointing, the Holy Spirit that is, teaches you about everything. Sounds pretty Protestant, doesn't it? No living teaching authority and just me and the Holy Spirit? Was John Protestant? Absolutely not. And here are some reasons why. First, John can't be rejecting a living teaching authority because in 1 John 4, 6, he instructs his readers that the apostles' teaching is the criterion for discerning truth from error. So what does John mean? He's warning his readers against false teachers. In 1 John 2, 19, he writes, Some went out from us, but they were not of us. If false teachers, well, then there must be true teachers. Sure, the Spirit teaches Christians the truth, but He does so through the living teaching authority, not apart from it. I'm Carlo Broussard with the ready reason for Catholic Answers, Catholic.com. Howdy, this is Adrian Fonseca, producer of the Catholic Drive Time Show. Heard Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. Central and 7 a.m. Eastern, right here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. And I'm proud to tell you that Real Estate for Life is an underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. Real Estate for Life connects home buyers and sellers to real estate agents while supporting pro-life organizations, offering their clients a faith-based experience. They are online at realestateforlife.org. That's realestateforlife.org. God love you. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. Keeping you informed and inspired, I'm your host, Joe McClain, and these are your headline news. LifeSite reports... Walgreens apologizes for accidentally injecting four- and five-year-old with COVID shot. 
Walgreens could face significant legal action after one of its Indiana locations gave COVID shots instead of flu shots to two children. Quote, an Evansville, Indiana family and their attorney says the parents and kids were accidentally given full adult doses of the Pfizer coronavirus vaccine instead of the flu, according to the 14news.com and NBC affiliate there. The Pfizer shots are not approved for children younger than 12 years old, and the dose would be about one-third of the adult dose regardless. The Center for Disease and Disease Control and Prevention acknowledged a link between Pfizer and Moderna COVID shots and heart inflammation during a June meeting of its vaccine safety panel. Personal injury attorney Dan Tooley said, in uh, who's representing the family, he told the news station that one child is four, the other is five. The kids were taken to a pediatric cardiologist and both are showing signs of heart issues, 14 News reported. The Blaze and Fox News are reporting that more than $100 million in unused border wall materials is left to rust by the current administration. Fox News reporter Bill Malugan said Monday there is enough steel to construct more than 100 miles of border wall, but only 14 miles were built before construction was stopped when Biden took office. Fox News aircrew captured footage of an estimated number of about 10,000 panels intended for the wall that have gone unused since January. Each panel is worth more than $5,000, and they're just sitting in far Texas, turning to rust, Malugan reported on America's Newsroom. The U.S. Department of Homeland Security announced Friday that border wall construction in Laredo and Rio Grande Valley will be canceled. The termination of these federal contracts is in accordance with Biden's order to return funds President Donald Trump diverted from other federal agencies to build the wall back to the agencies from which they came. The Trump administration diverted over one over $10 billion in funding from military projects and other sources in order to build that wall. Breitbart reports 80,000 shipping containers are stuck at the Savannah port. 80,000 shipping containers are stuck at the port of Savannah, a full 50% more than normal, the New York Times reported on Sunday. Steel containers are just waiting for trucks to carry them to warehouses or ships to take them to other ports, the Times reported. But like Savannah, other ports are also very full. As a result, some 700 containers have been just left at the port on the banks of the Savannah River by their owners for a month or more. Meanwhile, in August, inflation has increased 5.3% over 2020. The inflation increase is primarily due to supply chain issues, which means items are not easily passing through ports along their way to consumers. The New York Post reported October 7, there were 70 cargo ships waiting to dock at the port of Los Angeles. Another challenge for the ports have been truck driver shortages. Without drivers, many of the items American families depend upon uh, to remain undelivered to the points of purchase. The situation has also been compounded by Democrat-controlled states paying people not to work through large unemployment checks, the report goes on. These checks are in addition to federal government unemployment checks, which results in reducing the supply of labor. Those are your headline news. Joining us right now via Zoom chat is Dr. Gregory Pataro of the Catholic Psych Institute. Good morning to you, Dr. Pataro. Hey there. Good morning. How are you? Praise be to God. I am alive, and that counts. 
How are you? Amen. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I wish we could say better sometimes, you know, but that's the the way it goes these days. Hey, Uh, squeaking by is all right. Squeaking by counts. Um, I want to talk to you. uh, You got a book out called uh, The Mindful Catholic, uh, Finding God One Moment at a Time. But I also really wanted to focus in on uh, there's a trend in the last few decades to conflate New Age uh, mysticism and spiritualities, spiritualities from the East with Catholic faith and Catholic sure. orth- orthodoxy. Um, can you tell me about that? Where does that come from? What are we looking at there, and how do we undo it? Yeah, well, I think I think number one, we can just see that the human heart is made to long for something transcendent, something beyond what we see around us. You know, we have this we're a spiritual nature to our to our personhood, who we are. So there's part of us that wants to go beyond the material. And when we've moved so far away as a culture from God, from a, a religious understanding of God, we can't be uh, robbed of that spiritual dimension for long before we're going to try to figure out other ways to meet that need. And so then we start to see, oh, these people are talking about this kind of thing or that practice or this thing. And something will resonate inside of us as true and, and so we might go in that direction. Uh, meanwhile, the whole time it was there, you know, for the last 2000 years for longer mm-hmm. than that, obviously. And then, and, you know, we, we've just moved away from that understanding that religious sense. I, I'm thinking of sending your prayer right off the bat. That's one of the issues that I've seen over and over again. And one of the things about centering prayer that's always kind of made me stop and think is, okay, I get that we want to focus uh, you know, our attention, our thoughts, our spirit, you know, our just our being and focusing upon God. Number one. Number two, centering prayer seems to be uh, something a little bit different than that, though. It seems to be blanking us out. It reminded me of when I was uh, studying Kempo Kung Fu, and my instructor would teach us to meditate like Buddhists do, to blank our minds out, to completely uh, come back to like a blank page and to have these breathing techniques. And I've always wondered, and stopping to think about all that, I've always wondered, like, why do Catholics feel the need to always be searching for this novel thing rather than enjoy the thing that has been passed on and given to us? Yeah, I think I, I think coming at it from the Catholic angle is another it's another dimension of of looking at a problem. I think I think unfortunately in, in practice, Catholics haven't been really good at in integrating what the deepest needs are of our human psyche as well. So we can also see that, you know, it's it's one thing to learn the rules and even in prayer we can learn systems and you have to follow XYZ path to enlightenment in a in a Catholic sense of like the three ways or the interior castle or the mansions or, you know, we, we, we get the structure, but we don't really talk about what that feeling and experience emotionally, psychologically is. And then people are left wondering like, well, these people are really good at prayer supposedly, but like, they're really not kind. Mm. They're not actually growing in charity. You know, why is my priest teaching us about these rules, but he doesn't want to stop and talk after mass and shake our hand and he, you know, X, Y, Z, whatever the reason might be. So there's a disconnect on that side of it as well. And that becomes untrustworthy. 
And so I think giving people the benefit of the doubt, since we're talking about people and, you know, quotations, the, the general mass of people, we can't really know every single person's heart. But I think if we were to give the benefit of the doubt in terms of well-seeking good, you know, people who are, who are trying to make sense of their own lives, I would see that that is a predominant experience that people express to me. And that's why they're seeking for something that, you know, really, quote unquote, works. It's, it's something they can kind of sink their emotional teeth into. You know, this brings over a good point that I was, I've been discussing with some people is that question of whenever we have these spiritual practices, we have these vices that we have, and we're trying to overcome the vices, the, a common thing uh, to, that you might be advised to doing is, oh, you need to pray more. You need to have uh, this kind of devotion. If you add this devotion to your life, you, this it'll fix this vice. If you add that devotion, it'll fix this vice. Um, and but this isn't always isn't always the case. People end up falling over and over back into their vices, whether it be eating disorders, uh, pornography, or otherwise. They cannot overcome them via vis a vis their face to face to their their spiritual life. They need something more. Do you see this as an right. issue, and how do they overcome that? Yeah, hundred percent. And even in this conversation, it can become this false dichotomy where it has to be one or the other. And I would say, I say people right off the bat, prayer is always part of the prescription. Like we're not saying you shouldn't say pray more. However, we're not angels. And that means that we are corporeal. We have bodies and we have brains and we have a hormonal endocrine system. And we have all these other dimensions of our experience that we can't just learn a truth or pray a prayer and it changes us. The way that for a spiritual being like an angel, it does, you know, that that encounter with truth outside of time and space, you know, the, the angels made a choice and they were, you know, fallen or not. But like, we, we don't have that kind of instantaneous acknowledgement of a truth that changes us immediately. So pray the prayer doesn't necessarily work the way that it's prescribed. We need to also take into account the way our psyche changes over time, the different dimensions of the way our thoughts affect our minds, affect our brain. And then that actually returns back to our spirit and affects us spiritually. There's a lot more to the story here. So people are constantly in a Catholic context telling me that complaint. Like that's what their priest says. That's what their advisor says. That's what their friends say. And they try it and it doesn't work because they're also not learning how to stop ruminations, how to quiet the mind, how to enter into real silence, which is actually the path to encountering God, Uh, you know, not blankness. Like, like you said, Joe, in the beginning, that's the misconception of what this kind of contemplative life should lead to. It's the opposite of blankness. It's the most vibrant life in the world. But, but we need to actually be prepared and practice psychologically as well as spiritually in how to enter into that life. Hold that thought. Dr. Gregory Pataro is our guest. His organization is called Catholic Psych. It's the Catholic Psych Institute, catholicpsych.com. We're talking about uh, meditation. We're also talking about being mindful and or unraveling the New Age mysticism from true faithful Catholic orthodoxy. That's uh, going to come up next right after this very short break, so don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. Have you ever noticed that the world associates fanaticism with religion? But G.K. Chesterton says that the strangest fanaticism that fills our time is the fanatical hatred of morality, especially of Christian morality. It is the irreligious who are fanatical in their hatred of religion. 
They hate religion because religion is the only basis for morality. They hate morality because it is clear. And they prefer things to be vague. Vague to the point where they can call wrongs rights. But we cannot call something a right when it defies God's laws. We can only call it a sin because all rights come from God and God is not going to break his own laws. Neither should we. Want more than a minute? Visit our website, chesterton.org. Howdy, this is Adrian Fonseca, producer of the Catholic Drive Time Show. Heard Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. Central and 7 a.m. Eastern, right here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. And I'm proud to tell you that Real Estate for Life is an underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. Real Estate for Life connects home buyers and sellers to real estate agents while supporting pro-life organizations, offering their clients a faith-based experience. They are online at realestateforlife.org. That's realestateforlife.org. God love you. Jesus Christ, welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. Keeping you informed and inspired, I'm your host, Joe McLean. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. Dr. Gregory Bataro is our guest. Yes. He's a clinical psychologist, founder of the Catholic Psych Institute. And also, by the way, he was uh, uh, with the Franciscan Friars of the Renewal for about six years. So praise be to God. It's good to have you back on our show, Dr. Bataro. I, I was just thinking over the break about how many times I've been blown away, jealous. I'm going to be honest with you, super jealous of you know the saints Teresa of Avila or uh, Father Francis or uh, Max Colbay. I mean, just these these incredible saints. Saint Padre Pio is my patron that will say the Our Father and can't get through the whole prayer without being lost in ecstasy over total love and and intimacy with with God. And I'm like, good grief! I could say the thing in Latin on broken glass and I can't even get <laughs> the same level. Why is that? <laughs> It's funny. One of our family patrons is is uh, Saint Elizabeth of the Trinity, and she couldn't even get through the Glory Be. Right, <laughs> she could, like she couldn't say the three parts of the Trinity without being about, lost in ecstasy. Right? Is it? Are they just born that way, or can all of us achieve that level? I, I mean, I'd like to think. I think we can all achieve that level. It's it's really a matter of of uh, confronting all of the blocks that are inside of us. You know, there's so many reasons that we avoid silence. Because when we actually quiet our external senses and go interior, then there's a lot more things that we are avoiding inside of us. And, and learning how to sit with that and turn towards those you know, inner, inner difficulties uh, is, is work. And that's why they say it's the work of prayer. And that's why it's sometimes terrifying. And some of these desolations, some of these you know, inner demons, maybe it's trauma from the past, maybe it's really negative thought patterns that we have about ourselves, you know, there's not really any good training to, to learn how to navigate that. Like the psychological accompaniment that's required to turn inwards and face silence. So I find people are running away from silence and sitting for a half hour in silence is like the most horrifying yes. idea to some people. <laughs> mm. Yeah, that, the, uh, I think that's Blaise Pascal, the, all the world's problems would be solved if man could learn to sit in a room in a, in a quiet room alone in silence. Uh, that's, it's amazing yes. that no one, like, it's very difficult to do. But, you know, this, uh, brings a great point, though. I, whenever I hear my friends that are Catholic that are like, oh, I'm gonna go into psychology and they're going into different universities, I'm always like, you gotta be careful because modern psychology is pretty, pretty horrible. Um, yeah. so what recommendation, what recommendation would you have for people who, 
want to study psychology, want to do these things, want to, or even privately as an individual, as a lay person, uh, lay in, in regards to like not a priest, but also lay in terms of not studying psychology formally. How do we learn about these things without being uh, led astray by uh, modern psychology? Well, we're, we're developing a, a whole curriculum. I have a 36 credit curriculum that I'm putting together right now, 12 courses, and we're going to be uh, launching a credential to do exactly that. But I can say that the foundation of this course is going to be based on the anthropology and philosophy of the human person of John Paul II. And, and our flagship course is, is going to be studying the human person through his lens, understanding the psychological implications of what John Paul II did, because it's really brilliant the way he brought together the tradition of the church and the traditional philosophy of the church and Thomistic metaphysics with the newer sort of development of philosophical need for experience to be part of the equation in a different way. Phenomenology philosophy is what it's called. And he brought these two things together. And that's where the theology of the body came from. That's where so many of the the beautiful encyclicals that he wrote on all different dimensions of human experience came from. And I, with my own weird brain, the first time I read these things, I just see these as psychological manuals. Like this is how to help people learn how to live better lives, not necessarily only spiritually, but how do we solve marital conflicts? How do we teach parents how to do a better job raising their kids? You know, the, this, this work can answer those questions. So if people are looking for independent study, I've got a great book. It's called At the Center of the Human Drama. And I don't know if you have notes or something you can link to, but by Kenneth Schmitz, Catholic philosopher. And then, uh, and then you can check out a new website we launched. It's called iddmentor.com. And it's a, it's a launching of this whole new mentorship program. We're moving past secular psychology. And we're going to a place that fundamentally recognizes the integration of, of our spiritual nature with our psychological. So we maintain psychological expertise, but wholly marry it to a spiritual understanding of ourselves. So I, that's iddmentor.com. We're talking with Dr. Gregory Botaro. Uh, he is uh, with the Catholic Psych Institute's founder of it. Um, you made me think about men as you were just talking about the things you're trying to accomplish and the difficulties and all the all of that. And going back to the centering prayer and the, you know, for me, again, I look for those red flags, the little spidey sense, so to speak, to say, mm, that feels very Eastern mysticism. I'm going to avoid that like the plague. And sometimes I think uh, I can throw the baby out with the bathwater. And uh, maybe if it's too emotional or too, too sensitive or whatever, then I just kind of avoid it. But can you maybe speak to that about uh, the difficulty of men being mindful about where they're at in the presence of, of God? Uh, yeah, it's a good question. I mean, it's a large question. Uh, <laughs> there's a lot there, but I would say, number one, I always tell people like, there's good reason to be suspicious. There's like, obviously a lot of things out there that can distract us. But I would say that I think what we're fundamentally missing in our culture is a real sense of complementarity between men and women. And we need as men to learn from women. And this is why devotion to the Blessed Mother is so beautiful. This is why, actually, I, I absolutely love Maximilian Kolbe. He's, he's actually one of my patrons as well. And I saw him as this incredible man who was courageous and strong and also gentle and, and patient and, and charitable. And you could see, obviously, his, his devotion to Our Lady was very clear. So, you know, I think JP2 tried to do this marrying 
dimensions of the East and the West, marrying dimensions of, and I don't mean religiously, but I mean like culturally and bringing in the arts along with the science, bringing in, you know, fides et ratio, talking about there are always two sides to bring together in this deep complementarity. And ultimately it goes back to Genesis. And this is the whole foundation of our humanity, man and woman, he created them. And that unpacks so much of our life here and experience on this earth and what we're called to. And it's through complementarity that we discover how to return to our truest self. So I think there's a deep mystery to plunge into there, but that's where I start at least is to say it's, it's usually a both and. Some suspicion is good, but we also probably want to look for ways to, to further mature our sense of self. Janice, do you have a question? Yeah, I was going to ask about, um, I love that you talk about silence and our need for contemplation, or silence to contemplate. What is the role of liturgy, in your opinion? Um, you know, uh, I think that liturgy, uh, you know, uh, there's this need for a more uh, contemplative sense of liturgy um, to grow in that deeper silence. Um, what What is your thoughts on that? Oh, 100%. I mean, one of my favorite books is The Power of Silence by Cardinal Seurat. And he talks about liturgy a lot in that book. And he, I mean, he just opens this up. But I, the, 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 the number one missing piece for liturgy in our time, which, you know, there's obviously all this controversy around liturgical practice and all this stuff. And I'm not stepping into that at all. But what I, what I do think across the board, and I don't care what side of any argument you're on, is this fundamental sense of worship. And it's, this is the work of us giving our due to God. And that we owe this to him as his children, and he's our creator. And so liturgy is supposed to be developed in such a way that it nurtures and helps us to enter into that place of humble submission in worship. And I think on both sides of all the different arguments, you can find ways that people are clinging to like self self uh, protection or egotism or whatever, and you know it could be the most beautiful devout Latin liturgy, and and you know with all the incense and all the everything, and but you could have individual human hearts in that moment that are still just thinking about themselves, you know. So across the board, I think whatever we whatever we're doing, and I think there are objective principles that we should be pushing forward, um, or or at least fighting for keeping uh, involved. We, we also need to rec- remember what, the, what that fundamental importance is, that this is, this is worship. Dr. Gregory Bataro is our guest. We have just a couple of minutes left in our conversation. What about Lexio Divina? Um, would you say that that is uh, uh, a much better form of sort of um, focusing prayer? Than, uh, than some of those practices that have been popping up in these suburban parishes across our country and the world? Oh, I love that. I, I actually am literally this morning going to be recording a, a meditation. We have a new app that just came out. It's called the Integrated App, and uh, you can get it on any app store. And part of it, I'm going to be putting in meditations, and we do a little bit of these exercises that involve breathing and, you know, quote-unquote centering in the sense that we're grounding ourselves back into the present moment in order to pray with the liturgy of the hours. And it's it's an absolute essential. I, I think it needs to be promoted 100% more. The problem is we enter into these prayer practices very distracted. So if we can like use our breath or our psychology, our body, our physiology to 
come back to this present moment so that we can pray well. You know, that's just using science to nurture our spiritual life. It's not conflating the two, pretending that breathing is praying or something like that. (laughs) But we are entering into the prayer with more of our focus and attention, which all of the greats, you know, Teresa Vavla and everyone else would say that that's what we need to learn how to do. So, yes, 100%. I'm a huge supporter of the Liturgy of the Hours. If I had to do a 30-day St. Ignatius silent retreat, I'd have to probably stay for 31 days or 32, because it would take me at least a day or two (laughs) just to be detoxed from distraction before I could feel like I could begin. Every time I go to adoration, it literally takes me forever just to kind of get still and quiet and ready to actually be in the presence of God. So it is a problem, and uh, we're unfortunately out of time. Dr. Dr. Gregory Botaro, Catholic Psych Institute, catholicpsych.com. Thank you for your time today. God love you. God bless you, and have a great day. Thank you so much. God bless you, too. All right. Praise be to God. That is going to do it for hour number one of Catholic Drive Time. Thank you for joining us this hour. If you can join us for the second hour, we would love to have you. Uh, We will, of course, have some good news for you. Praise be to God. We'll have our Saint of the Day, Gospel of the Day, and our game show, Fear and Trembling, and prizes are at stake. So praise be to God, you could play and win. That's coming up next and our after show. All you got to do is join us. And if you can't listen on radio, listen online, grnonline.com forward slash CDT. God bless you. God love you. We'll see you back here tomorrow morning. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. some friends who are Catholic who say that you don't have to believe everything that the church teaches, whether it's in the catechism or not. Is that true? No, it's not true. If you want to call yourself Catholic, but you want to pick and choose for yourself which of the church's teachings to accept and which to reject, you give everyone else who calls himself Catholic the right to do the same thing. For example, you believe women should be priests. In the Catechism of the Catholic Church, paragraph 1577, it states, Only a baptized man validly receives ordination. For this reason, the ordination of women is not possible. You don't believe that. Well, that's fine. I just made this a catechism of your Catholic Church, but not mine. But remember, if you can throw doctrines out, so can everyone else who calls himself Catholic. That gives Joe Parishioner over at St. Doubting Thomas Catholic Church the right to throw out the church's social justice teachings. He doesn't feel like feeding the hungry, caring for the poor, and all that other bleeding heart stuff. Paragraphs 2401 to 2463. I just made this a catechism of his Catholic Church, but not mine. You believe contraception is okay. Paragraph 2370 says contraception is intrinsically evil. Joe Parishioner doesn't like what the church teaches on the death penalty. Paragraphs 2364 to 65. You don't like what it teaches on these pages, pages 505 to 508. He doesn't like what it teaches on these other pages here, pages 610 to 615. Can you see what's happening? I heard it said once that there is a shortage of vocations to the priesthood in the United States, but no shortage of vocations to the papacy. If we don't believe in all of it, if we each appoint ourselves Pope and throw out a doctrine here or a doctrine there, then our faith is no longer Catholic. 
beacon of truth in a troubled world. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. Howdy, this is Adrian Fonseca, producer of the Catholic Drive Time Show. Heard Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. Central and 7 a.m. Eastern, right here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. And I'm proud to tell you that Real Estate for Life is an underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. Real Estate for Life connects home buyers and sellers to real estate agents while supporting pro-life organizations, offering their clients a faith-based experience. They are online at realestateforlife.org. That's realestateforlife.org. God love you. Welcome to your Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information from the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic Drive Time. Now, here's your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. We are uh, we are on the way, right? Your weekend is approaching. It's not even that far down the road. I know it's Tuesday, but Wednesday's tomorrow already, for crying out loud. Hopefully, your week is going really well. We have a great week of guests lined up for you this week, and we just wrapped up a conversation with Dr. Gregory Bertoro uh, from the Catholic Psych Institute. So we'll be posting that later to our social feeds, which, by the way, you can find linked up on our website, along with joining our email list, our text list. You can get the app downloaded from our website. You can listen to podcasts. You can check out our previous content. And, by the way, you can find the phone number to our game show, which comes up at 15 past this hour. Right on our website at grnonline.com forward slash cdt. That's grnonline.com forward slash cdt. Coming up in a moment, we're going to do a good news story for you. Praise be to God. Then we will do uh, Saint of the Day, Gospel of the Day. We'll have a, a little reflection prayerfully, and then we play our game Fear and Trembling, all that coming up in the first half of this hour. And then in the second half, we do what we call the After Show, where we conversate with you about whatever you want to talk about. That comes up on our live social feed. It's very casual and relaxed, and we like to interact with you a lot there. So all you have to do is be on a live video feed on Facebook, on YouTube, on Twitter, or our website. That's grnonline.com forward slash CDT. And you can hang out with us and chat with us in the second half of this hour. Good morning to you, Janice. Good morning, Joe. Praise be to God. You made it on time. Yes, I did. Hey, all right yes. now. Uh, <laughs> God is so good. So good conversation with Dr. Bortaro. Yeah, I'm I'm actually a really big fan of him. I read his book, Mindful Catholic, and uh, always, yeah, he's just such a good, yeah, I love his podcast too. He's a great he's What's a the great name guy. of his podcast? Uh, the Human Person. The Human Person, as mm-hmm. opposed to the Inhuman Person. Yes. <laughs> I see where that's going. I see where that's going. Yeah, he's really big on like looking at the person as a whole, body, yeah. mind, and soul. I love All that. Right. Well, praise be to God. Mm-hmm. Well, speaking of uh, whole people, Adrian Fonseca is here on the ones and twos. Good morning to you, Adrian. Good morning. Good morning. It's good to be here. Is it? It is. Are you sure? Absolutely. 100%. Mm. I'm ready. I am ready. Are you ready? What are you ready for? Uh, just in case, uh, I don't know, hypothetically speaking, Joe trips, right. falls over, dies. Yeah, yeah. I noticed, I'm ready. I there noticed a minute ago when I did actually <laughs> trip and almost banged my head and died, you, a gleam in your eye. I noticed it's, it. I don't know. You man. were like, finally, finally. 
Mm, I was like, I was more, <laughs> I was thinking, I was like, all right, uh, Janice, call 911. I uh, will be uh, busy right here. <laughs> <laughs> the show must go on. There you go, folks. Hey, there that you go, that folks. would be my style, too. So praise, <laughs> praise be to God for that. No, but yes, today is Tuesday. Tomorrow is, in fact, Wednesday, as Joe said. And Amen. the day after that is Thursday. Who knew? It's coming already. Do you there have plans you already for the weekend? Is it uh, too soon to talk about? I think we'll hold off on my plans for the weekend. I got a couple plans, but you we'll, got, we'll tease them. We'll tease you got it. Some teasing I, got, going on. I got some big plans coming All up. All right. Well, hey, guess what? Clarissa over at uh, YouTube is saying that she also read one of uh, Dr. Bertaro's books. So uh, I think it was The uh, Consecration to Jesus Through St. Joseph by Dr. Gregory Bataro and Jennifer Settle. I guess that's how you'd say her name. So that's pretty cool. Praise God. So at any rate, we're going to pray. We're going to jump into a good news story. We're going to do the Saint of the Day, Gospel Day. And like I said, Fear and Trembling comes up. We would love for you to be our contestant if you've not played before. Well, this would be a fun time. Or if it's been a while, we'll give you the phone number. You can get the phone number early right on our website. Call in early. You might win the prize at, uh, oh, I can't give you the number. you got to go to the website, grnonline.com forward slash C. D-T. Let's begin with prayer. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy, hear and answer me. Amen. And now, your good news story for the day. We, we covered the heavy stuff in the last hour, so we always like to give you something more good news related in this hour. But LifeSite News reports boxing champ Tyson Fury thanks, quote, my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, unquote, after the title victory. I love that. Praise be to God. He says, the article goes on to say, after winning a stunning victory in a much-anticipated competition for the World Boxing Council title on Saturday, undisputed heavyweight world champion Tyson Fury gave all the glory to Jesus Christ, saying, my Lord and my Savior rose me to my feet tonight to give him all the glory. Amid rousing applause from the audience, this is the fuller quote now, Fury says, I give him the glory. He gives me the victory. He made my legs strong. I was down a couple of times. I was hurt. Wilder's a strong puncher, and he's a tough man. I was hitting him with some big shots, and my Lord and Savior rose me to my feet tonight to give him the glory, unquote. In a 2015 interview, Fury told Catholic News Live, quote, I pray for my opponents before fights, praying that they are strong and healthy and put up a good fight, but I'm doing a job like everyone else, unquote. He goes on to say, quote, it tells us in the Bible we need to work and boxing is just a sport at the end of the day, unquote. Fury told the outlet he tries to go to church every Sunday and read the Bible quite a lot, although not as much as I should do. It gives me strength to know that, that if God is in my corner, then no one can beat me, unquote. I love the fact that he prayed for his opponents, that they be strong and good fighters, because what would be the point to uh, defeating someone less than the best, right? So praise be to God for that. That is your good news story for today. The saint of the day is a, a litany of saints from uh, Northumbria. But the saint of the day is St. Edwin of Northumbria. He was born in 585 at Diera, South Northumbria in England. 
He was a prince and he was born a pagan, the son of King Ella of Northumbria. And the king, and he became king of Northumbria from 613 to 633. He was married to St. Ethelberga of Kent and was an adult convert to Christianity, baptized in 627 by St. Paulinus of York. He was, who, he was the first Christian king of Northumbria. He was the father of St. Ian Fleda of Whitby and St. Edwin of Northumbria. He was the great uncle of St. Hilda of Whitby and the grandfather of St. Elfida. He worked for the evangelization of his people and is listed as a martyr as he died in battle with pagan kings. The pagan king Penda of Mercia, who was a great enemy of the faith, killed him in battle. He died in 633 in the battle with pagan Welsh and Mercians at Hatfield Chase in England. And all the saints in his family prove a good saintly parents make good saintly children. St. Edwin of Northumbria, pray for us. Praise be to God. You know, I like the way you said that. Good saintly parents make good saintly kids because my grandson is named after St. Edwin. So St. Edwin, definitely pray for us. The gospel today comes to us from Luke Chapter 11, verses 37 through 41. After Jesus had spoken, a Pharisee invited him to dine at his home. He entered and reclined at table to eat. The Pharisee was amazed to see that he did not observe the prescribed washing before the meal. The Lord said to him, O oh, you Pharisees, although you cleanse the outside of the cup and the dish, inside you are filled with plunder. And evil, you fools! Did not the maker of the outside also make the inside? But as to what is within, give alms. And behold, everything will be clean for you. The Gospel of the Lord. Hadock's commentary said, But will alms suffice to expiate all sorts of crimes? Is it enough for the murderer, the homicide, to give alms? Undoubtedly not. Our Savior only compares alms deeds with the exterior washing which the Pharisees affected, as if he had said, It is not by the washing in common water that you will take out the stains of your soul, but by the works of charity. Charity will be more efficacious to cleanse you than all the waters of the rivers and of the sea. Or, according to Euthymius, if you wish to cleanse yourself truly, Bring forth worthy fruits of penance, give up all ill-acquired possessions, and as for the rest, redeem you sins by alms. Thus shall all things be made clean to you, as well as within, as without. Adrian, what did you find? Yes, and the, uh, a couple things. One thing to note here is the our Lord actually did wash his hands. Just, that's, that's an important <laughs> thing to note. Our Lord was not being disobedient to the law here. He went and washed his hands, but as Cornelius Lapide notes, that he says, quote, And when the Pharisees saw it, he marveled that he had not first washed, for the Pharisees were accustomed, before they sat down to meet, to wash not only their hands, but their arms as far as the elbow. And so our Lord washed his hands, as he is supposed to, following the law, as a good Jew would. But he didn't wash all the way up to his elbow. And this scandalized the Pharisee. How, how can you possibly be a good Jew if you are not washing yourself all the way to the elbow? 
Well, our Lord uh, explains how this can be. How can this be that this uh, that these are good things that he does, despite the fact that he doesn't seem to be uh, keeping to the law, to the fullness extent of the law? Well, what does our Lord say? He, our Lord shows that by it is what you are consuming that makes someone unclean. And he says that it is robbery and violence in which the Pharisees are consuming. And so their fruits are robbery and violence. And that's a very important point to note. Uh, St. Augustine understands by almsgiving every good work, including even penitence itself for how he asks, can you be merciful to another if you are unmerciful to yourself? So we must have penitence and we must give almsgiving. And so we have to make a distinction here. What is the works of law that St. Paul would then talk about later on? Whenever our Lord, he gets rid of the ceremonial laws, but he fulfills all the laws that are important for our salvation. So what happens? St. Paul says, oh, we are not justified by works of the law. And our Lord is showing a prefigurement of what is to come very, very soon. And the works of the law, what are the, what, are, what is he referring to? What are works? Works of the law are the works of the ceremonial laws of the Old Testament. And when our Lord came, he abolished the works of the law. So that way we are no longer justified by the works of the law. Instead, it is nothing makes us unclean what comes into our mouth, but our deeds. We can commit grave sin. We can separate ourselves from Christ. Our Lord said that no one snatches those who has given into the Father's hand. No one can snatch them from the Father's hand, but we can stand up and we can walk away. We can rise and take off and our Lord will allow it because we have the will to do so. And we don't have the free will to do so because our free will is directed toward the good. We are to love God and that is what our free will is made for. But God allows us to stand up and walk out of the hand of our, of our loving Savior. And he shows this by giving us up to the, uh, to the vices that people have and namely that the Pharisees had here. And so I think that's an important point to note in regards to works of the law and what our Lord here is being scandalized that he's not washing his hands properly. I think that's what we need to realize. Amen. St. Chrysostom says, now he says, give alms, not injury, for almsgiving is that which is free from all injury. It makes all things clean and is more excellent than fasting, which though it be the more painful, the other is more profitable. It enlightens the soul, enriches it, and makes it good and beautiful. He who resolves to have compassion on the needy will sooner cease from sin. For as the physician who is in the habit of healing the diseased is easily grieved by the misfortunes of others, so we... If we have devoted ourselves to the relief of others, shall easily despise things present and be raised up to heaven. The unction of almsgiving, then, is no slight good, since it is capable of being applied to every wound, unquote, St. Chrysostom. All right, praise be to God. We're going to uh, put a pin in it there for the gospel reflection for today. Thank you to verbum.com forward slash grn giving us the tools to dive deep on the gospel passages and get to the early church fathers, Cornelius, Lapidae, Haydock, and so many more other great resources, all linked up, all linked so that you can get to them super fast. And uh, Verboom, it makes that easy. Verboom.com forward slash 
GRN. Thank you for giving me the tool today. All right, we're going to go to a break. We're going to come back, and it is time to play our game, Fear and Trembling. But what we need to play our game is a caller. You can be our caller right now, our contestant. You just have to be the first caller, and you get to play the game. You don't need to know the answers to win. It's that easy. The phone number is 877-757-9424. That's 877-757-9424. The phone number is 877 877- 757-9424. One more time. 877-757-9424. We'll be right back. Fear and Trembling is up next. We all know children have a natural innocence and a sense of wonder. Yet our world is full of distractions that can pull families in the wrong direction. But with the help of God and a church family, your children can grow in the security of faith, hope, and love. Weekly Mass provides that critical faith foundation needed in life. So if your family hasn't been to Mass in a while, we'd like to invite you home. Discover more at catholicscomehome.org. Protestants like to use James 2.10-11 against the Catholic doctrine of mortal and venial sin. Because James says, whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become guilty of all of it. But James can't be denying the doctrine of mortal and venial sin because in 115 he affirms it, saying that sin in its beginning stages doesn't bring death, venial sin, whereas it does in its more mature stages, mortal sin. The point James is making in James 2.10-11 is that we must keep all the commandments in order to avoid incurring the guilt of transgressing the law. We can't say to the Lord on Judgment Day, Lord, I only broke one commandment but kept the other nine. So James 2, 10 through 11 is simply a misfire in trying to take down the Catholic belief of mortal and venial sin. I'm Carlo Broussard with the ready reason for Catholic Answers, Catholic.com. For 2,000 years, we've helped the poor and comforted the sick. We've educated generations of children develop the scientific method and college system. We support marriage and human life. Guided by the Holy Spirit, we compiled the Bible. We are the Catholic Church. With over one billion in our family, sharing in the fullness of Christian faith in the church started by Jesus. If you've been away, visit catholicscomehome.org today. Welcome home. Welcome to another round of fear and trembling. (laughs) The Catholic trivia game show that helps you work out your salvation by the seat of your pants. It's a 50-50 chance and prizes are involved. Avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Call now to take your shot. 877-757-9424. And now your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time and Fear and Trembling. The Catholic Trivia Game Show, where we do have a secret and hidden agenda, and I can tell you about that in a moment. But what I need most right now is a caller on the line to play our game. That phone number is 877-757-9424. That's 877-757-9424. Call right now. You get to be our contestant. The phone lines are wide open. If you've never called before or if it's been a while, this is a great opportunity at 877-757-9424. That's 877-757-9424. 24, but there are a few things, there are just a few things that I like to do, and I just don't tell anybody because it's kind of, you know, it's an insider baseball kind of thing going on here. But uh, as long as you promise not to tell anybody else, I'll share them with you. Number one, we like to teach the faith. 
So you might learn something you did not know before because there are teachable moments in the question. Praise be to God. Number two, we like to have fun with our callers. They tend to be really good sports and laugh with us, and we enjoy that quite a bit. So praise be to God. And then number three, we give out prizes, which kind of makes it a winner for everybody involved. But here's the kicker. If you're just joining us and you're new to this, the deal is the caller on the line does not need to know the answers to win our game. They could not know a single correct answer and still win. Praise be to God. The reason is because I won't ask them the questions. I have three questions. I'm not going to ask them. I'm going to ask Janice. I'm going to ask Adrian. One of them will be right and the other will be wrong. And the caller will have 15 seconds on the clock to make a decision. Whom do they trust more? And then every right answer will go into the coffee cup of divine providence to win this week's prize. Janice, what could they win? This week, we have a great sponsor named Blessed Friends Forever. They're actually a family-owned business out in Sugarland, Texas. They uh, they make uh, custom-made pillows for children. Um, so if you have a child in your life that you'd like to gift a uh, Catholic pillow, this is a sacred heart and uh, sacred heart of Jesus and immaculate heart of Mary pillow doll. And they're so cute. I'm looking at I'm looking at the pictures right now. And they're um, I think they're about like nine, nine by five in terms of uh, size. And uh, they're made out of Original, it's an original design with premium cotton fabric. A great addition to your home nursery or just your child's um, playroom. Um, great way to evangelize um, for children. So it's again, it's a sacred heart of Jesus, an immaculate heart of Mary pillow doll. Uh, two pillows worth $50, $50 value for wow. both of them. Pretty cool. Well, praise be to God. Mm-hmm. We're very excited. Thank you to our sponsor, Blessed Friends Forever, uh, for uh, giving us this incredible prize to give away this week. And let's go to the phones. Carmen, good morning to you. Thank you for being Hi. a part of our program. Thank you. Where are you calling from? I'm excited. I'm calling from Only Maryland. Only Maryland, uh, the mighty land of WMET. Praise be to Jesus. And where do you go to church, Carmen? St. Peter's. St. Peter's. Well, welcome. We're very excited. Are you familiar with the game? Do you know how the game is played? Yes. So you must have an opinion then. Who is trickier, Janice or Adrian? Mm, I think they're both tricky. Really? You have to choose, Carmen. You can't, you can't oh, ride okay. the fence. I know you live very close to D.C., but we have to make choices. Which well, Janice or Adrian, who do you think is the trickiest of all? Mm, could be Janice. Could be. Yeah, yeah. I could be. I, she's very tricky. She likes to throw low curveballs to the right corner. You got to make sure you don't swing at those. But I'm going to give you a fair tip here, Carmen. The first question is the trickiest of all. Okay? Oh, boy. The last two are pretty easy. First one's a, a tricky one. Are you ready to play? I'm ready. All right, Carmen. Here we go. We're going to start with Janice, as is our custom. Janice, are you ready? Yes. Are you sure? Yes, I'm ready. Are you sure? Yes. Janice, can you tell me, are criminals who have been condemned to death eligible for extreme unction? Hmm. Wow, that's a that's a tough one. Mm. Um, I'm not I'm not in any way mm. well versed in criminal law, um, but I'm gonna take a guess and okay. say no. No. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Hmm. Let's just see what Adrian has to say. Uh, Adrian, you have a law degree, I'm sure. Can you yes, tell seven. me? Can you tell me? 
Are criminals who have been condemned to death eligible for extreme unction? Uh, yes, with my seven law degrees that I just identified as having at this moment, um, I'm going to say absolutely yes. A- absolutely Because yes. they're going to die. You give extreme unction to people going to die. Okay, okay. Hmm. Here's the deal, Carmen. Uh, Adrian says yes, and Janice says no. This is a tricky question. So think about it for a sec. You got 15 seconds on the clock, Carmen. Who is right? Who is wrong? What say you? I'm going to go with Janice. Survey says... Got it. That was a hard one. Wow. I would have not gotten this. That correct. was hard. There that would have been tough. zero chance I would have gotten that right. Now, why, Adrian? Why? Why no? Okay, so the other name for extreme unction is what? Anointing of the sick. Those who are condemned to die are not sick. They are being justly executed, at least presumably, they're being justly executed, and therefore they do not receive extreme unction, though they would be eligible for viaticum, which is uh, Eucharist before death, confession, that kind of thing, but just not extreme unction. That's a tricky question. It is a tricky question. (laughs) But Carmen, you did well. Praise be to God. You, You got the hardest one out of the gate, so now we can just... Take a deep breath and uh, to enjoy the next two questions, which I think are going to be a little bit easier. Uh, so let's see if we can double your chances, Carmen. We're going to go to Adrian this time. Adrian. Uh-oh. What? That's dangerous. <laughs> Tell me about it. What is the term for a major military expedition undertaken for an exalted purpose, promoted and partially financed by the Pope? What do we call that? Oh, yeah. What do we call that? One of my favorite things. Really? One of my top 10 favorite things just like ever in general. Seriously? 100%. I have a statue of this in my room. Do you have an answer? I do. It's the crusade. The crusade. Or a crusade. You have a statue of a crusade? I have a statue of a crusader. Oh, I see. Of a crusader. Okay. So you're saying it's a crusade. Yes. Okay. Okay. Janice, can you tell me what is the term for a major military expedition undertaken for an exalted purpose promoted and partially financed by the Pope? Wow, that's a really loaded question Is there. it? Yeah. Wow. Um, I like the pun. That's a good pun. So, military loaded. I see where you're going with that. <laughs> well, again, I, I'm not very well versed in uh, military. What was, what was Adrian's response? His was crusade. Okay. Hmm. I would say... Uh, A diplomat. A a diplomat? Yes. Huh, like diplomacy, that kind of thing. Interesting. Mm. Interesting. Mm, Like a diplomatic mission. Yes. I get where you're Mm -hmm. going. Okay, okay. Yeah, the Pope sends diplomats all over the world, right? Mm -hmm. Hmm. Okay, so here's the deal, Carmen. Uh, Janice seems to think it's a diplomatic mission, whereas Adrian says it's a crusade. 15 seconds on the clock. Who is right? Who is wrong? Carmen, what say you? Adrian. You sound very confident. I know. Norman. Are you I, sure? I really like that answer. That's a good answer. <laughs> Survey says. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good answer. Yeah. It, it, it's, always, it's always a good answer when you say Adrian. Just saying. Uh, this and other fake news coming up shortly. No, I'm, I'm teasing. I'm teasing. Well done, Carmen. You did it. It's true. It's a crusade. You know, the sad thing is, even if the Pope wanted to call a crusade today, he couldn't. There's no more Christian countries with armies to call upon. Kind of a sad state of affairs. But at any rate, you are in for two. Praise be to God. Now, this third one, I suppose this could be tricky, 
But I don't think it is. I think you can get this, Carmen. Are you ready to play? Yes, I am. All right, here we go. Janice, we're back to you. Which saint translated the Vulgate Bible? Which, which saint gave us the Latin Vulgate? That would have to be St. Jerome. Ooh. Yes. Patron saint of all curmudgeons. Patron saint of the Bible, too. Patron saint of Joe McLean. Yeah. I like it. Praise be to God. All right. Uh, let's see what uh, seven uh, law legal major guy over here, Adrian Fonseca, has to say. Adrian, can you tell me? Which saint translated the Vulgate Bible? Gave us the Latin Vulgate. Well, right now I identify as a Bible scholar, and I'm going to say that it is the great Saint Cornelius Alapide. The, the Jesuit? Yes. Okay. Okay. So, uh, Carmen, here's the deal. Janice says it's Saint Jerome, whereas Adrian seems to say it's Cornelius Alapide. Uh, 15 seconds on the clock. Who is right? Who is wrong? Carmen, what say you? Uh, Janice. Are you sure? I am sure. Got it. Got it. (laughs) Joe trying to be tricky over here. I just wanted to make sure she Mm. was confident in her answer before trying to lead people astray. (laughs) You know, um, the question did include what saint. And uh, Cornelius Lapidae, to my knowledge, is not a saint. Uh, I always forget he's not a saint. I keep canonizing him. (laughs) Captain Obvious. There you go. Praise be to God. Well done. You're three for three in that, Carmen. Perfect score. Yay. God love you. Uh, thank you for uh, thank you. hanging out with us today from Maryland. We love to hear our Maryland callers on the phone. Praise be to God. You are such a good sport. We're going to put you on hold to make sure we get your phone number. But if it be God's will, your name will come out of that cup on Friday. So you have to tune back in for that. But God bless you. God love you. And have a great day, Carmen. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right. That is going to do it for the radio side of our portion today of our show. If you can join us in the after show, we would love to have you. Join us online at grnonline.com forward slash cdt or on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, or odyssey.com. We're posting on MeWe too, by the way. Check us out, grnonline.com. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. Diplomacy at the end of a sword. The definition of a crusade. My favorite kind of diplomacy, that is. Which, by the way, is what motivated Christopher Columbus. Um, so if you have any friends that are like, you know, like the uh, the good rep who uh, who reported yesterday. Where, where is that story? I have that story somewhere. Where is it? Right here. Democrat rep Nadia Velasquez describes Christopher Columbus as a genocidal maniac on Columbus Day. Oh, I got a hilarious comment on Twitter yesterday. Someone said, why do we celebrate Columbus Day? All he did was uh, sail half, <laughs> half sail across the ocean. Anyone could do that. Yeah, I, okay. I, let's do this, man. I want to watch you, Mr. Uh, Critic. I want to watch you sail across the ocean. Go for it. 
We're watching. We're waiting. Even with even with modern technology, yeah, good I don't. Luck. I don't. Think good I, luck. I tell you what. I don't think I, I maybe can do we it. pass the hat. We rent a yacht for the guy, and you know, off you go. Good luck. Let's see it happen. You could give me the most high tech right. boat exactly. on planet Earth, and I probably couldn't even get outside of the Gulf. I, I have watched. Uh, I sometimes I binge on sailing videos on YouTube when I really want to just go mind complete blank. Um, I watch these YouTube channels of these sailors. That these people live full-time on their boats mostly, and they just sail all across these oceans. And some of them are like lone sailors. They're like all by themselves and squalls and hurricanes and things. It's, it's insane. And to see them hook up their uh, – their uh, what do you call it? Um, why is my mind blank all of a sudden? Their the, thing. <laughs> not the, the – uh, why I can't think of the name of the wheel that drives the darn boat. Why can't I remember the name of the, the darn thing that drives the boat? Anyway, they hook up like a rope to it, and it just drives itself. Ah, and I'm like, OG autopilot. Yeah. I'm just like, is that is that wise? I don't think that that's too wise. Or is that auto captain? Why? My brain shut off. It's just like, poof, gone. See you. Good night. I just forgot the helm. Thank you. Josh Patterson. I'm, I never would have got that. <laughs> Why couldn't I remember? Totally lost. I remember trying to drive a Coast Guard uh, 42-footer in at night in 12-foot swells looking at a compass. All I could see was the compass. I couldn't see the ocean in front of me because it was dark. And uh, I was just looking at a compass in red light in the cockpit. And I got sick as a dog doing that. It was so hard. Chris Chance said, Adrian, do you remember the memes we shared making fun of Indigenous Peoples Day by showing pictures of North American martyrs? Yeah, people got so angry with me. Like, it was wild. Oh, my goodness. Um, I posted a picture. I said, Happy Indigenous Peoples Day. And and it was a picture of the North American martyrs getting their heads, uh, their scalps ripped off. Well, and uh, and um, well, that was part of the got, conversation and I yesterday. I had a ton of people were very like like I got like so much backlash. It was wild. I was like people just got so upset. And then a couple of days ago, I just make people upset. That's like my my hobby is making people upset at me. And so the, your hobby. yesterday or two days ago, I had posted most Catholics don't go to heaven. That doesn't bode well for non-Catholics. Right. And everybody freaked out and started getting mad at me. Not because I said most Catholics aren't going to heaven, but because I said most non, because I said it, that doesn't bode well for non-Catholics. And everybody was like, oh, how dare you say non-Catholics can't go to heaven? And I was like, um, first of all, I didn't say that. Second of all, I didn't you just completely ignore the fact that I said most Catholics aren't going to heaven? Like most people in general are not going to heaven. The fewness of the saved is a is a doctrine of the church, and uh, people were very upset with me. So I, it's it's a hobby of mine to uh, make everyone angry at me. <laughs> You're too funny. Well, you know the thing about Christopher Columbus that we we discussed it yesterday, but I had a great conversation with my kids last night uh, while I was uh, butchering the uh, the venison uh, that we harvested over the weekend, and uh, we talked about Christopher Columbus. You know, in his own, we talked to uh, Carol Delaney. She quoted you know some some of Christopher Columbus's journal when he discovered these native peoples in what we call today Haiti and and Cuba. And he spoke very well of them. He spoke uh, lovingly of them, I would say. And uh, he even 
he even had some sympathies for them because the particular tribe was being assaulted by another tribe who was eating them. Yeah, he spoke <laughs> he spoke lovingly about particular tribes. <laughs> he said, this is, but this is yeah. my point. This is the point I'm trying to make. Is he he points out that, that cannibalism was a thing, and that there were some tribes that were better than others. And so to to say Indigenous Peoples Day is somehow equal, like all tribes equal, is it's ridiculous. It's like saying all Europeans are equal. Well, they're clearly not. You know, uh, the, well, they're all the, equally bad. The, the histories of people are as diverse as the the kinds of people on planet Earth. So it it just seems so revisionist history gone wild to sit here and go. All Europeans bad, all indigenous people good. It's not that simple. I'm sorry, it's not. Christopher Columbus was good. People who replaced him, not so much. But not all of the people who replaced him were bad. Some of them were. Some of them weren't. You know, it's just it. It reminds me of um, uh, when the Black Hills were an Indian reservation, but then they discovered gold. Good grief! Everybody and their four sisters came running with gold pans, which is the American uh, uh, government had to send the army. Uh, to to try to get them out, and then eventually they gave up the process and decided to push out the Indians, which led to another Indian war, which led to the slaughter of General Custer. Now, General Custer, you know, he made some decisions that were uh, not appropriate, and it led to his own demise. However, um, this kind of the same thing under Columbus, right? Once he opened that path, a lot of people came running in and said, hey, we have opportunity here. Gold, slaves, resources, land, wealth, and they took full advantage of it. But not everybody. You get uh, Hernan Cortez. Now, Hernan Cortez had similar uh, intentions as Columbus. Columbus wanted to support the crusade to bring back uh, Jerusalem under Christian authority against the the, the Turks, the Muslims, the Saracens. So uh, Hernan Cortez also wanted to support uh, uh, the conquista of planet Earth for the glory of God and the salvation of souls. He, in fact, the vast majority of Hernan Cortez's army, which he depended upon to defeat the Aztecs, was not Spanish. They were Indians. They were natives. They were allies of his, which he helped to uh, share Christ with, to help stop human sacrifices among. I mean, it's revisionist history, and it, it bugs me to no end. Yeah, me too. I love Christopher Columbus. I think he's awesome. Not bad, the guy. Not bad, for sure. So, uh, dear Rep. Nadia Velasquez, please read an actual history book uh, before you <laughs> before you accuse somebody of genocide. Because he was not genocidal maniac. He was definitely not. But he said, he said, I had a Jewish friend tell me, uh, because mother's milk is kosher, this makes the human body kosher, so cannibalism is kosher. That's, that is so. That's, that is so perverse. That's disturbed. That's very disturbed. It's also not accurate. Yeah, you're like you weren't even allowed to touch blood as a Jew. Right. So like, or a dead eat, human body. Yeah, or a dead human body. So cannibalism is yeah. way out the window. Which, by the way, because so this morning I was talking, I sort of mentioned as we were going to break about uh, the Passion of the Christ 2004 and how there's that scene of Jesus and the Blessed Mother. He was making the table, and uh, and she comes to wash his hands for. For the meal, and he like has a little uh, fun, little playful gesture by splashing the the water up at her, kind of thing. Um, it, that was in reference to today's gospel. Do you remember the scene where Judas is in despair and about to hang himself, 
What is he next to? A dead donkey, a rotten donkey. And he uses the the mane, not the mane, but the um, he uses the rope on the donkey to hang himself. And because he realizes in his despair, he turns over and he's now in, he's now sitting next to this dead donkey that he is even more defiled now than he was even before. And it sends him over the edge and he hangs himself. Bad omen. Yeah, well, I, I just was thinking about how that's part of the, the part of the movie that I loved was all of these little uh, Easter eggs throughout the whole film. Oh, I get it. You're making reference to his new movie. Easter eggs. Do you okay, how many people show of show of hands? How many people actually believe that uh he's gonna make a new movie? He's gonna make part two, Passion of the Christ part two. Now the Jim Caviezel's what, eighty nine years old? I mean, I don't know how old Jim Caviezel is, he's probably my age, but <laughs> he's no spring chicken, okay? And this is Mel Gibson that's making <laughs> yeah. this movie? Supposedly. That's uh-huh. the that's that's the rumor anyway, but uh is it gonna happen? I don't know. Maybe. I- I think it'll happen. Maybe. Do you think that he will get the same support from the bishops that he got before from parishes? and and Or will he have to just depend upon evangelicals to make it happen? I don't happen? think he'll need the support of bishops at all. No? I think uh, crowdfunding has gotten to the point in, a, in America's it's society. It's matured. Where he can uh, literally do it off of just crowdfunding alone. And also he's already built a reputation of how excellent the Passion of the Christ was made, was well done. So mm. I think people will support him Maybe. because they loved the first but i also yeah, feel like it, i feel like people who what about love, his personal reputation do you think that will damage um, nah. no well i i i do think that from a from an artistic perspective i feel like at least for me like i feel like once you create something so excellent you try to and if you tr- try to create another like part two yeah. i think it's it's difficult to live up to part one so sure it could be a letdown too yeah, and it could artistically hurt his artistic his reputation. The book was better. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 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 but I'm like, that's that's gonna be hard to top. You know, that movie was amazing. I know. I yeah. I watched it when I was 10 years old. Uh, my parents took me to the movie theater. We we went as a family to go watch it in the big screens, and I remember um, there was like, <clears throat> I don't know if you guys heard about like. Um, People uh, having uh, evil spirits come out of them during the screenings. Like what? Yeah, when I I remember when I went to the theater when I was ten. Um, during one of the scenes, there was a lady who started yelling like a witch in the in the theater, and it was so bizarre to me. I was like, why is she yelling like a witch? And and someone and um an exorcist said that you know like when you watch something so powerful like this that's anointed by the Holy Spirit that um the evil the evil spirit was like coming yeah I don't know I don't know the logistics but I was only ten at the time but I just I remember vividly a lady was uh, crying like a witch in the theater. <coughs> mm, color me skeptical. I'm a, I'm a I'm a hardcore skeptic. Um, but the yeah so. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I could, I could buy it. I think it's possible, but I would, I would be interested to hear the argument for why the exorcism would happen from watching, uh, watching the movie. I mean, you don't hear about exorcisms from people who are like reading holy books. Um, I don't know. Christopher Chance says, "I listened to an interview with the Catholic priest who was involved in the set of the Passion of the Christ. 
He said the actor playing Judas couldn't get the emotion that Mel Gibson wanted in several takes until Mel took the actor and pointed to the donkey, the donkey carcass, stating, when you, as Judas, look at the carcass, you are thinking, my soul is worse than that. The priest then said that on the next take, the priest then said that on the next take, the actor managed to show the emotion we get in the film before Judas's suicide. Oof. That's a cool insight. You know, the actor who played um, Judas, there was, uh, I was listening to Jim Caviezel talk about this, and I want to say I heard him say it when, he, when I saw him at the 2004 Boston Men's Conference, and um, he said that the actor who played Judas and then one of the, uh, the actor who played one of the two scourging um, legionnaires right, the, the Roman soldiers. So one of those guys and the actor that played Judas, when they came back into the studio to have to uh, redo their lines on audio dub, so they're watching their performance and then speaking into a microphone to, uh, to redo their lines. I think they call that, what, ADR or something like that? And um, they watched themselves, like the, the, the soldier, he said when he, when he watched him beat Jesus, whipping him Jesus, he got so emotional uh, that he broke down. And the uh, same thing happened with the actor who played Judas. In fact, I heard that the actor who played Judas wanted to redeem himself. He felt so bad for playing Judas, who betrayed our Lord, that he asked to play an apostle in a different film. Oh, wow. Uh, the, the film is called St. Peter the Fisherman, I think, with Omar Sharif. And he plays one of the apostles, uh, not Judas. <laughs> I think he plays Matthew, if I'm not mistaken, in that version. I love Omar Sharif. I'm not the biggest fan of that film, though, uh, but I like Omar Sharif. Uh, Mary Barone said, Adrian, oppression is real. No, no, I believe in oppression. I'm just saying I don't see why watching The Passion of Christ would be exorcistic. Um, I could see it as a devotional prayer. I could see it as something benefiting the soul, um, but as exorcistic? I don't know. I'd be. I'd have to see an argument for why it would be exorcistic. Well, there was a lot of. I know there was reports that there was conversions during. Oh yeah, the that makes sense. I yeah, set. Jim talked about I that. Mean, I'm Jim, sure there's many conversions yeah. for people yeah. watching it. Yeah. He yeah. also talked about the lack of faith too. He was uh, he was mm. re- referring to uh, being on the cross for like hours upon hours upon hours and days of filming. He stuck up there, uh, you know, exposed to the elements. And he had suffered a dislocation of the shoulder. He had got struck by lightning. He had a minor heart attack. He, uh, his head was uh, crushed with the crown of thorns, so he had constant headaches and migraines. And he's stuck up there. They can't take him down between takes. And he's just looking down while he's waiting for the next take to take off. Uh, he's looking down, and everybody's, like, drinking their coffee, eating their donuts, chatting it up, talking about whatever. And he just – he said the indifference – to the scene struck him and he said if he felt like it was an insight to what the lord might have seen looking down from the cross the indifference of of the very creatures he created indifferent to his suffering uh very powerful i would say very powerful um yeah and i maybe maybe you know maybe it wasn't necessarily an exorcist that happened at the theater but i i think maybe it was just a disturbance of like her spirit she obviously was maybe doing like witchcraft or something and something yeah and her spirit just did not sit well with yeah. watching the movie that yeah. she started laughing like a witch in the theater and everybody could hear her and i 
and and it's wild. I mean everybody something's was, not right. Yeah, something was not right about She's that lady. She's definitely off. Yeah, I've heard reports <laughs> about that uh, from uh, masses in Africa. I've heard many reports of during mass in Africa, uh, people who are possessed will start screaming out. Mm-hmm. A lot, yeah, because their spirits are disturbed. Yeah, because they're in the presence. But that's at mass, so yeah. I could see that at mm-hmm. a movie. It, you know, I don't know, but maybe she's just disturbed. Who knows? Yeah. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Who knows? Um, but I agree, Adrian is oppression. That's real, Mary mm-hmm. Brown. Is Adrian, that you, is, is that how you oppression? read that? That's not. Maybe that's, that's not how not, you read not that. Quite, I'm not sure. Quite what she said there. <laughs> Um, clarif- question, clarifying point, Mary Barone, did you mean Adrian is oppression? I think you did. I think um, you did. Just real quick, could you <laughs> let, let me know. Is, is that what you meant? I well, mean, speaking about um, oppression, so there was a report that a wo- there was a woman that died who was while she was watching The Passion what? during the scene of the uh, climatic uh, crucifixion scene. Mm. Um, she had a heart attack and she died. Dang. Yeah. That's, that's horrible. Mm-hmm. Ouch. I, I, uh, I saw the film. Several times. I think I saw at least two, three times in the theaters. And then obviously, obviously I've seen it tons and tons of times ever since. But uh, I think it's a powerful film. I love the Easter eggs in the film. I loved, I loved the, uh, especially the use of time warping. That really paved the way. You know, time warping, yeah. like, okay, I know Adrian. The fact, the fact that it wasn't in English, like, everything I love that was too. in the air. What was yeah. it? Aram- Aramaic? Aramaic, Latin, yeah. and Greek. Yes. Or, and Latin, I, Greek, Aramaic, I think, and it, Hebrew. It made it so much yeah. more real. I loved it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but time warp, the use of time warp as a film technique. Um, Adrian, I mean, you guys take it for granted every time you watch Peter McKinnon or or somebody like that that used, they, they used time warp constantly. Or they, like, maybe they don't anymore, but they used to a lot. Um, Mel Gibson paved the way with that in the scene of the Garden of Gethsemane. He used time warp in such a powerful way. I was my mind was blown uh, watching watching that scene. It was so incredible. So it was so good. Uh, Josh said Adrian is oppressive. Um, <laughs> can thanks. we start? Can we start a trending hashtag on thanks. Twitter? Adrian is oppressive. It's I, like let's go, Brandon. Brandon, let's go, Brandon. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'll, leave it, I'll leave that there. <laughs> hey, by the way, uh, uh, Texas A&M versus Alabama. Gigum Aggies. Can you believe it? Now, there's a report that suggests the reason A&M was able to beat number one ranked Alabama might have been because two priests blessed the field prior to the game. It's possible. It's possible. It's possible. Um, ah, you know, there we go, folks. There you Josh go. said, I love the scene where Pilate speaks to Jesus in Aramaic. Or something, and then Jesus replies in Latin to flex on him. Uh, yeah, so this is a great point, and I'm glad you brought that up because I have argued with people many times where they say, "How do you know? Like Jesus didn't know X, Y, or Z. He he spoke in Aramaic. It's like you think Jesus didn't know other languages? <laughs> All languages? <laughs> He's God. <laughs> they speak a language that we'll never speak." <laughs> Yeah, I'm like, uh, this is awkward. I know. You know the guy who can exactly. the guy who can give the gifts of right. tongues exactly. only knew Aramaic. It's like when uh, right. when uh, okay. I used to uh you know talk to non Catholics who would who would say, Oh, you it's the Eucharist, come on, how could Jesus hold the hold himself in his hand? He's he's God. He could pretty much do whatever he wishes. <laughs> yeah. like, besides that, I mean, anyway. Hey, uh, Weber's World. Praise be to God over on odyssey.com. Thank you for commenting today for the first time. We love it. Praise be to God. Welcome. It's so good to he- see you here. We're very grateful for you. 
hanging out with us over at odyssey.com. If you're a brand new commenter, let us know. Comment for the first time so we can recognize you. We would love to. But uh, Weber's World says, I came out of the theater looking for the nearest church having reconciliation. That's wow. That's amazing. Praise be to God. Yeah, praise be to God. I'll never forget the priest, though, at uh, my priest at the time. I said, hey, Father, are you, have you seen The Passion of the Christ? Are you going to watch it? He's like, no, it is Lent. I will not watch anything until after Lent. That's kind of based. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. My, my dad was um, kind of agnostic um, while I was growing up, and he, he, he went to the theater with us, and he cried. Like, I had never seen him cry that much when he watched a movie, and... Uh, thank praise God, my dad has since had a, a great reversion, conversion back to the faith. But um, I know that that movie uh, was one of kind of the driving forces behind, or one of the kind of the the seeds that planted his uh, come back to the church. So Amen. I know it's definitely, and and so I feel like that's why t- uh, Mel Gibson perhaps has been so spiritually attacked. You know, like he's mm. just what he has done has left such a legacy in the world and. And in, in for the church, and I think that, um, unfortunately, I think he's been spiritually attacked because of so much good that he's done through this film. Well, sure, yeah. I do agree with that. I, mm. I do feel like he put a big target on his back, and that's true. But I also believe he he has opened the door to some of that through his own choices, alcoholism being among them, uh, womenizing being another among them. Mortal sins create great opportunities for additional mortal sins. And uh, Mel's lived a hard life. Now, the, I think the real takeaway here is, look what God can do through us broken sinners. He can do amazing and powerful things. And and even though we are sinners, God gives us so many graces and gifts and aptitudes that when used uh, to, for the glory of God and the salvation of souls, amazing things happen in spite of ourselves. Don't worry, uh, I'll canonize him later. Praise be to God. <laughs> now, I'm not condemning Mel. I'm just saying it's obvious. I mean, we all know he's had incredible uh, – the drinking and womanizing led to the downfall of his marriage. Uh, yeah, being in Hollywood in general is just yeah. bad for your yeah, spiritual life, exactly. your physical life, your mental life, everything. No, I think if he, were, if he was in a constant state of grace and very saintly and pious man and still made this film, he would have been in incredible danger spiritually. It would have been very difficult for him, but at least he would have had more tools to withstand. The, the blows uh, makes me think of uh, whenever we were talking to Bug Hall and he was saying how like they tried to make a coalition of Catholics to fight back in Hollywood and it was just Hollywood rakes you through the mud drags you through the mud and you just have to abandon ship you need to for either your own spiritual benefit for mm-hmm. your, the salvation of your own soul you need to abandon Hollywood um, and try to and live a holy life otherwise uh, just like St. Paul says, you know, I have to mortify my flesh lest I lead others to heaven and I myself be disqualified. Well, it comes down to priorities, right? I mean, what's the most important thing in your individual life is you getting to heaven. And then, okay, mm-hmm. it goes out from there. Okay, what's your vocation? Are you married? Well, now it's your spouse and your children. You know, it's your relatives. It's your neighbors. It's your friends. You know, but it starts with you. And if you if you aren't working towards the salvation uh, for yourself, then... All the good you do can be can be pointless if you if you don't end up in heaven yourself. So yeah. it's a definite difficulty. Mm-hmm. Speaking about movies, um, have you have you guys seen the Chosen movie? I, I keep hearing TV a, show. 
The TV show is that a TV show? Yes, yeah, okay. Show. I yeah. I haven't I've heard of it, but I haven't seen it. Do I have been excommunicated as a result of my opinion of the t- yeah. of the TV show. Okay, so. I haven't. I've, He's I been have. excommunicated by three bishops actually. <laughs> <laughs> also, the the Son of God movie from the Bible series that I think the um which was actor it? was that? Is that the is that Jeremy Sisto? Was his name? Yeah, it's um. Dar- no, Darwin Shaw, Shabastin Shab- uh, Cap. So there's a movie called The Son of God. I remember it came out when I was a senior in college, and I went to go see it because I was like, "Oh, it's you know, it's a you know, a faith-based film." I thought, you know, um, it was about Jesus, and I, I I just wanted to check it out. And unfortunately, I was really disappointed in the movie The Son of God because um, I felt like they portrayed. It was nothing like the passion. It was very much of like a a super um like a like a superhero Jesus and it was very much of like this worldly. I felt like it it it, it gave off this feeling that Jesus was a celebrity and Jesus was a superstar and I didn't I didn't like it, unfortunately. Mm. I actually threw popcorn at the screen because <laughs> I was so mad. I was wow. like, this is a horrible movie. Can you forgive Jesus? That's a question. Yeah, I never watch. Mm. Ne- I never watch Christian films because most of them are Protestant. I, it, and it doesn't it say, doesn't, isn't it horrible that we have to say that? Like, yeah. I, I hate, to, I hate to have time. to admit that. Like, yeah, I tend to avoid... Uh, religious films uh, christian films why because they're so heretical they're so difficult to get through and i don't want to sit and be frustrated the whole time i watch like i, f- I can't remember last time i watched a christian movie to be honest I'm trying I, to think. you know at least t- you know mike brings up the point that uh that he has uh, in spite of the things we said he says he's probably the one of the finest actors of his generation hacksaw ridge convinced me of his brilliance as of a filmmaker mike on odyssey.com said that you know and i love i love mel gibson's films i love them Axel Ridge, very yeah. enjoyable, very good. That was so good, very well made. I, we we enjoy them, even if they're just popcorn material. But it's easier for me to watch a film like that than it is for me to watch a film about the life of Jesus made poorly. I can't, I just can't get through it. It's just too hard. I always, especially when it comes to Our Lady. I, oof, I I I'm like okay, I can't deal with this anymore. I got to be done. I turn it off. I don't throw popcorn though, Janice. That's pretty violent. You should get some counseling. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Josh said, have y'all seen the trailers for that movie about a journalist who finds himself interviewing God who takes on the form of an old man? I have not. I, n- I have seen an image of that. I did not watch it yet, though. That's uh, a famous actor that's doing that. See, I was thinking of that uh, them old uh, Christian film with that boy, Letters to God or something like that. Mm. Um, I didn't see that Would one you either. guys classify Unplanned as a Christian movie? No. No, not really. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it, well, I guess it's a it's a I feel like it's a faith based I, a faith based film. Sure. So yeah. I think there's some like because I've watched some faith based films and obviously there some of them are obviously cheesy or they come off as like kind of just very watered down. Mm-hmm. But I think um, I I personally haven't watched Unplanned yet, but I've seen trailers of it and it's definitely something on my radar. Or like I've seen it. Like the Cristero. What was that movie? Chris Cristero. Yeah. For the greater glory. For the greater the glory. Greater which glory. I enjoyed. That's a great movie. I love that movie. film. I've seen that one like six yeah, times. So yeah. So like movies like that for me, those are like that's what I classify as like faith based films. I don't know if, films. if Unplanned was faith based at all. Actually, I'm well, to think. for Greater Glory, you can say it's a faith based film, but it's really a, a historical drama. Yeah. And uh, with with some good acting, he was excellent. And uh, I mean, the boy who played uh, Saint Jose Sanchez yeah. del Rio 
was really good. <laughs> he was amazing. Uh, uh, of course, Peter O'Toole as the Catholic martyr priest and his vestments. And, and you had Eduardo Verastegui, who will never be on my show, apparently, because he won't accept the invite. Uh, I'm just throwing that out there. Eduardo, I know you're watching and listening. I'll be on I know the show, you're out there. But uh, he played an excellent uh, you know, uh, character in the movie as well. I mean, so just I love that film. It was a fantastic film. It wasn't campy uh, like a lot of these Christian evangelical films are. Yeah, and I think for me, I've I follow a lot of Catholic filmmaking companies like Metanoia Films. Uh, Metanoia is the um, what Eduardo uh, founded. Yeah, and um, he he made that movie called Little Boy, um, which I have yet to see too. I've heard that one's really good. And then um, there's also a uh, a, a Hollywood um, Catholic. Uh, film company, I have a friend who works for them. Mm-hmm. Um, let me actually pull that one up. But they have a, they have a movie called we The Purgatory. A, one minute, The Purgatory. Yeah, they have a movie called The Purgatory, and uh, they're actually screening it here in Houston oh, this month. Oh um, wow! I'll have to find the flyer. Yeah. Anyways, well, we can talk about it tomorrow. But yeah, send me a, a really link to good. that. I'll check it out. Mm-hmm. Praise be to God. And uh, maybe we'll have somebody on about that. Talk about it. But that is going to do it for today. Praise be to God. Uh, tomorrow, Michael Hitchborn is going to be on to talk about their latest report from the Lepanto Institute. And um, do we have a 615 tomorrow? I'm not sure. Looks blank, so I'm not sure. Uh, Henry Sears interviews coming up on on Thursday. And Tiffany Meyer from China and Focus is going to be on Thursday as well. Jules Gomez. Jules Gomez is coming up tomorrow. So Michael Hitchborn and Jules Gomez tomorrow. Henry Sears and Tiffany Meyer on Thursday, and Brenda Lorena Garcia talk about Hollywood and Catholic. She's coming up on Friday, so it's going to be a jam-packed show for you all week. Please tell a friend. We'd be very grateful to you. God bless you. God love you. We're praying for you. Please pray for us, and we'll see you back here tomorrow, 6 a.m. Central, 7 Eastern for Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. Until then. <laughs>